Good morning. I want to welcome you to our worship services, and I want to say thank you for coming. And I want to welcome all of those who are watching online. Thank you for worshiping with us. And today I also want to welcome a special group of people. There are several people who are here today who are here solely because they just want to hear if I'm going to say something about what took place on Friday, okay? And I want you to know that you are so welcome in this place. And I want you to know that if you are looking for a church, if you are wanting to find out more about this belief, this Christianity, this thing called Jesus, I want to encourage you that afterwards, if you would just go to our guest services, we can give you all kinds of information. But I want you to know that you're welcome in this place, and thank you so much for coming. So we're in a series right now called They Say, He Says, and today's the last of that series. And a lot of people I know are probably pretty excited about it because one of the things is you don't have to watch that video anymore. (laughs) You know what? It's not easy when you get your toes stepped on, is it? And I gave you a week off, and by the way, Dr. Bob did an incredible job last week. I think we need to just say thank you for that. We are so blessed. We've got a lot of great preachers in our church here. But you know what? We have, we've talked about what it means to be judgmental, and we talked about what it means to be hypocritical, and we gave, took a week off, and now we're going to talk about relationships between believers and non-believers. And it's a subject that we need to talk about because right now it's, it's where we are. And so I want to just begin by starting out with a quote. Some of you probably, you've heard of a, of a leader, a man by the name of Gandhi, right? Gandhi is one of the greatest political leaders of the 20th century, but he wasn't just a political leader. He was also a, a, um, a, a spiritual leader. And I want to hit you right between the eyes right away because he was asked, so tell me, what do you think of Christianity? What do, you, what do you think about people who call themselves Christians or believers? And this is what he said. Take a look at this. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. That kind of hurts, doesn't it? But you know what? I want to talk about that this morning because I think this is where we live. And you know what? I really believe that Gandhi's not the only one that thinks like that right now. Wouldn't you agree? Here's the thing I want you to know. The issue right now is not that people who are non-believers don't know any Christians. The problem is that they do know Christians, and that's the challenge. You see, they know who we are, they heard of what we've said and what we preach, and they just kind of sit there and they scratch their head. But on the other hand, then there's you and I. We're believers. We're followers of Christ. And you know what we think? This is what we think. Well, there's an image problem. It's not fair. I mean, they, they judge us. They persecute us. They don't understand us. And maybe that's true, but can I be honest with you? I don't think so. I think it's an integrity problem. And I'm talking to Bob Beckler as I'm talking also to you. Because what I hear over and over again from the world outside is that if you would just act like what you say you believe. Now, we know we're not perfect, but maybe there's something more that we can do. Take a look at this. 
The gospel is not merely spoken, it is lived. How many of you would agree with that? It's the truth, right? It's easy to say one thing, but what the world wants us to do is they want us to say one thing, but then they want our actions to match up with what we believe. And you know what? I don't blame them. So let me ask you this question, okay? How many of you in here today have a relationship, or maybe I should say this, how many of you here today hang around people that don't believe like what you believe? And what I mean by that is this, I'm not just talking about the fact that you work with them. What I mean is this, how many of you actively are pursuing a relationship that's with someone who doesn't believe like you do? In other words, they're your friends. You know what the Pharisees believed in Jesus' day? This is what they believed. They believed in, in salvation by segregation. But that's not what Jesus taught, was it? In fact, Jesus taught, in fact, he lived, he believed it was salvation by association. All right, now, here's the issue. Here's the first obstacle that we need to overcome. This is the obstacle between believers and non-believers. The problem is, is there are very few Christians who are actively pursuing relationships with people who don't believe like they believe. And that's sad. And here's the reason why. Because what happens is those people who are living in the world who don't believe like we believe, what happens is they only see glimpses of our life. They see us in situations and they observe us. And the problem is, is that because we're not in relationship with them, they get glimpses of our lives and that's how they draw conclusions. But I think there's something even harder for you and I. I think a lot of times that when we look at people who don't share our beliefs, when we look at people that we would con or talk about as non-Christians, you know what happens? We look at them as projects rather than a relationship. And you know what, you guys? That's never going to cut it. Look at this. Reggie Joyner said this. People will never believe you love them if they feel you don't like them. You see, one of the things that you and I have here is we have the knowledge of the greatest gift given to the world. And his name is Jesus, right? And right now in our world, I think a lot of people in the world would love to receive that gift, but most of them don't realize that that's what they're looking for. And so you know what has happened? God has made you and I to be a gift. Now, I want you to think about something. In the Bible, do you remember Jesus saying these words or the Pharisees saying these words about Jesus? Here's what they said. He's a glutton. And he hangs around and he, and he eats with sinners. Now you know what? That's now one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You know why? Because that means that if I were living in that day, I could be Jesus' friend. Amen? 
stand with me out of respect for God's word. I'm going to read from the book of Mark, and it's Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, it is my prayer that I would become what you have called me to become. And I pray that like Jesus, that I would be a friend of sinners. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now I'm gonna blow you away with my message this morning. You know why? Because it's probably gonna be the shortest message that you've ever heard me preach, okay? Now here's what I wanna just explain to you. When we talk about the Gospels, and the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, remember, those are the four Gospels. Every one of those Gospels has a theme. And today, we're in the book of Mark. And the theme of Mark is this. The Son of Man was a servant. The whole theme of Mark is the servanthood of Jesus. So when you read the book of Mark, all you will see over and over again is how Jesus went from one place to another looking for people who had needs that he could meet. The result of that was that there were people who were following him. They were pursuing him. Why? Because they knew he could meet their need. Remember what Jesus said? He said in the book of Mark, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here's my first challenge to you. If we want to be Christ to the world, maybe the first thing we need to do is we need to adopt what Jesus modeled. And what did he model? He modeled being a servant. In other words, looking for people who have needs And as we look for them, when the Lord reveals them to us, that we go and we meet those needs. So right now, in this room, whether you're on the main floor, you're up in the balcony, or you're on the side, here's what I want you to do. Just look across this room. Do you think there's somebody that has needs? If there are, if you're so worried and you're so filled with all the busyness of life, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss where God is working. And you have to be reminded that God has put you on this earth for a purpose. What's the purpose? To represent him. 
All right, now, in our story today that we're looking at here, I want you to know that Jesus never looked at these people who had needs as a project. He always looked at them for the purpose of building a relationship. Now, you and I both know this one thing. You can't build a relationship overnight, can you? It takes time. You have to spend time. You have to have different situations. You have to come in and out of their life, but you need to build a relationship, and you have to be intentional about it. And that's what Jesus wants to point out to us today. So let's look at the very first verse of what we read here. It says, then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds who are coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to get through the whole outline today, so don't get mad, okay? But we're going to get what I believe that God wants you to hear, and this is, this is what I want you to hear, okay? Levi in Mark and Luke is his Hebrew name. In Matthew, he's Matthew. Now, do you understand who we're talking about here? We're talking about the guy who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. That's who we're talking about. So why do Mark and Luke use his Hebrew name, and why does Matthew use his new name? You see, here's what I need you to understand about this. Levi was a preacher's kid. Levi meant that he came from the tribe of the Levites, and those were the people in the Old Testament that God had set apart to be the ministers, the the priests of his people. But you can tell that Levi has gone renegade. Why? Because he's a tax collector. He's a renegade PK, just like Pastor Phil. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You are a pastor's kid, aren't you? Ah. Now, here's what I want you to remember about this, okay? Matthew, on the other hand, calls himself by his new name. So here's what I want you to hear. What did Jesus do? Jesus changed Matthew's name from Levi to Matthew. Why did he do that? Well, Jesus had a habit of doing that, didn't he? He changed Simon to Peter. He changed the sons of Zebedee to the sons of Thunder, and he changed Matthew from Levi to Matthew. Now, why did he do that? Here's the answer. This is what Matthew means, the gift of God. So every time somebody said, called him Matthew, they knew that they were calling him a gift of God. Now, let me just ask you something. He was a tax collector. He was a hated man. How in the world could a hated tax collector be called a gift of God? Here's the answer to that question. Because Jesus saw Matthew not for where he was, but for where he was going to be. And what Matthew was going to be was a gift of God to the world. And was he? Oh, my word. We have the whole gospel of Matthew, right? So I just want to pause there for a second, and I want to say to you, this world right now needs a gift. And what I want you to know is you're the gift. Do you understand that? 
When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't look at you as this sinner, this failure, and start reading off all the things that you've done wrong. No! He sees you as what he is going to change you into. And what is he going to change you into? A gift from God. When you get up in the morning, you need to look in the mirror and you need to recognize you are a gift from God. And you are going to be used by God in someone else's life. To do what? To share with them. By the way you live, you may not even use words. But to share with them, this is what Christ looks like in mankind. And if you believe that, and if you spend time in God's word, if you commit to it and you put the word of God in you, I'm telling you, the changes will come. Do you think Matthew became this gift right away? Oh, I kind of doubt it because all the disciples would have hated him. You know why? Because they saw him all in what he was doing. And not only did they see him, but Jesus saw him. Every day they saw Matthew at the toll booth. That's what this was. This was a road. It was a toll road. It was one of the major highways. And Matthew would sit up on top, and he was always dressed so nicely. He was dressed just beautifully, and then he would send his guys out. Everybody that came through had to pay the toll. You know what the problem was? Nobody knew what the toll was until they told you. And Matthew made a boatload of money off of the people. But you know what? All of this time when he was making money off other people, he saw a man by the name of Jesus. And he saw him come and go up and down that road. And he saw something different about Jesus. And so on that day when Jesus came to Matthew and he said, Matthew, Matthew knew who he was. And Jesus said, Matthew, you come and follow me. And my friends, what did Matthew do? The Bible says he left everything he had and he followed Jesus. My friends, what was it in Jesus that Matthew saw that wanted him to leave everything and go with him? It was the fact that he was the gift. And Jesus didn't judge Matthew. Jesus lived what he said he lived and what he talked about and he, what he believed. And Matthew was attracted to that. And right now, our world is in chaos. And what are we doing? Jesus is telling us, the body here at Central Community Church, I've called you to be a gift. It may not be, you may not be where you want to be right now, but if you will commit your life, if you will leave everything and commit your life to me, if you will be in the Word and the Word says, I will make you into something that is going to change other people's lives. And you may not even realize this, but you've already begun to change people's lives through your tithes, through your offerings, through your prayers. And God is doing a great work, and he is not done we just have to stay committed and stay the course. So I want to close with this. In this world, there is light and there is darkness. Listen to me. There is no middle ground. 
I'm just being honest with you. I'm telling the truth. The Bible says there is no middle ground. There is only light and there is darkness. And my friends, the Bible tells us in the end, the light wins. And I don't know about you, but there are people in this room who may not share your beliefs, but they're looking for the truth. The first thing that's going to affect their hearts is not going to be the words that you say, it's what you do. So let's be Jesus to the rest of the world. First, not by what we say, but by what we do. And you watch the world come and follow us to the cross where the ground is level. Amen?